now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks so much for checking out our year-round carnival podcast. My voice is worse than normal. <laughs> My turn for the logie, hence it being a day late. We're going to have a bit of a look at Melbourne and Sydney, but we may as well have a chat with Vince Accardi from Daily Sectionals. Not you first. Hey, Vince. Rolfie, top of the morning to you. <laughs> I, I need your energy, mate. I need your energy. <laughs> I've got an abundance of it. It is absolutely overflowing. <laughs> Lovely. Hey, before we have a look at uh, Melbourne and, uh, and Sydney, uh, Nature Strip went to, went to Royal Ascot and won. And it kicked their heads in, and he did. So he's such a start. Now, I know you haven't had a chance to put your clock over, Ascot, but... Just one of the, the things about this horse and the profile of this horse that just never went away from me was when it won at Mooney Valley in September 2018. I'm looking at your IVR report. I've dug deep, and it ran plus 7.7 lengths above benchmark in a 1,000-metre race. How, how generous are they over over in the UK to, to give that Aussie horse black and white price up up that Ascot Hill over a thousand since having been proven to be a twelve hundred star as well? Yeah, <laughs> well you have to laugh, don't you? <laughs> you do. It would have paid your trip if you were going over there. It would have paid for the whole trip. Well, I know, I know that we met each other ten years ago because I met with you not long after I did the Black Caviar tour, and I saw some of the uh, the Australian racing tour people that I went with. Uh, they, they took a group over, so there's lots of happy Aussies, and yeah, I think I think uh, Nature Strip might have paid for their trip as well. But he's just such a beauty, and what's been fascinating about learning his journey, Vince, with you is um, is that the, when he first started, he was a thousand meter horse, but it's yes. been the genius of Chris Waller to teach his horse to relax that has got him to be the twelve hundred star. Yes, yes, for sure. There's no doubt about it. The reality is, no matter how we look at it, and he is a 1,200-metre star, of course, he hadn't been able to get to the same numbers as a 1,000 metres. But well, the reality, Just on that point, tell, tell us more about that. Well, that sort of signifies the horse, right, that realistically, at if we look at the historics of this particular runner, firstly, at a 1,000 metres, like you touched on, Ralphie, there's been a number of big performances there's even you talked about the Mooney Valley run, but there was also that Sandown run where it produced an eight point seven. <laughs> that was best of the day, and and then at the Valley like the seven point seven, and it's also had a a Ramwick six point six. So three different tracks, all in the high sixes to mid eight range, signifies that that's the talent of the horse. And then when we go to a thousand, uh, twelve hundred meters, well, firstly we should also look at the eleven hundred meters of this particular horse. Morpherville, 1,050, very close to, from my view, 1,100, low sixes, 6.2 range. But there was that Flemington performance, Ralph, if you remember. Yep. Back in June 2018, there it is, 6.9, best of the day. That sort of gives you the insight, about a length inferior to what it did at 1,000 metres. And then at 1,200 metres, we sort of snapshot the horse. It hasn't been able to break that plus seven range, but like you said, plus 6.6 has been the best it's been able to do. And I would say that's the horse. It's about, a realistically, it's it's a one length inferior horse from 1,000 to 1,200 metres. Therefore, that horse running in the UK at 1,000 metres, knowing that it's at least the length superior than what it is at 1,200 metres, who would have been able to beat that horse on that day? 
Well, certainly not. What, what, what can you tell our listeners about the, the, the general feel that UK stayers are better, Aussie sprinters are better, I, as far as how the UK sprinters line up? The, see, firstly, from the UK sprinters, I've done the preliminary work on nature strip from the run in the UK, Ralphie. I just haven't finalised numbers, but generally speaking, from my experience, they run below what we see in Australia. Yes. Typically one to three lengths. So I'm so not expecting you a flashy waste number. Bringing a, bringing a good, a, a, an okay, unless obviously freaks can happen, but an okay standard UK sprinter, you wouldn't waste your time bringing it here. No, because that'd be a mids two horse, yep. plus two range. It doesn't mean that they're bad, but yep. that's their, their, and if you get an outstanding one, they might go to plus four. Yeah. That's outstanding. And right. of course, then, like you said, there's always those odd freaks that come yep. along and they can be taken anywhere around the planet. I haven't seen them, not in recent times, not in, not over not overseas, Ralphie, not particularly over a thousand eleven. There's a couple of really sharp horses in Hong Kong that uh, show a lot of uh, promise. But even Hong Kong, generally speaking, their normal racing, they're not any better than what we've got in Australia at our top. No way. And then when we talk about staying horses, most of those races are run slow, and of course, we've seen a number of them come out and perform superbly, but they don't perform like a bullet and just be many lengths better than our local horses. Yes, they they, they can be as good. I've seen them run, you know, threes and fours, which is very good, Ralphie, for staying horse, but most of them are around plus one. I'll be fascinated if a horse called Candleford on the Friday, if uh, if you haven't got a phone call from a couple of people uh, considering bringing it to Australia because, wow, we, I was just working up late on Friday night uh, finalising my familiar work and I just thought, what is that? <laughs> it's kicked right. heads and, and, tra- and William Haggis trains it who's done such amazing work with Adabe over here. So I'm sure uh, given our, our big prize money, they, they'd be thinking about it. Well, hopefully they do. And it's, it's great when we have this type of horse you know, maybe potentially a rock star. That, that's I hope they end up coming to Australia because we're really, if you take Dubai out of the picture, there's not many places around the planet where you can have a bunch of races, like let's say in Australia, that prize money is just phenomenal. Now with the extra money that's been on offer or been put on offer in Victoria, why wouldn't you just bring the very best from anywhere here? Hundred percent. And uh, speaking, of, you said the word rockstar. Speaking of rockstar, our rockstar here on the Year-Round Carnival podcast, the State of Rest. Uh, I asked you before the Cox played how you rated it, and you said uh, if you said uh, you asked me, and I, I got the quote. I said twelve dollars, and you said if this was a dry track, three dollars, two dollars fifty, maybe even. That's that's how good you thought it was. Well, he, he provided another gift for our listeners during the week. Just too good, isn't he? Yeah, that's another. That is that is a world class horse, though, Ralphie. Well, a lot of people just yeah, they just didn't realise how talented that horse really was, and of course that wet track that we came across in Melbourne, obviously sort of put a a shadow on its real capability. But the reality is, it's now gone on improving because I think it also did it win another race in America as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So just, just, just a star. So um, that's uh, that's a brief overview. Oh, and the other one, I suppose, we should touch on the fascination of the Coolmore Stakes because Home Affairs went so short as favourite in uh, on the on the Saturday there in that Coolmore Stakes with Home Affairs, he was blistering early, tired late. So he, he just ran Artorias off his feet, but 
1,200 up the hill at Ascot, <laughs> having, well, full stop, but I, of course I was lucky enough to be there and seeing it in the flesh. When you see how high they have to rise, you don't want to lack closing speed up that 1,200 hill at Ascot. And Home Affairs uh, was found out. Who knows, maybe he wasn't right on the day, but I was pretty keen from a match-up perspective to see Artorias uh, beat it. Well, I don't know if that's a real surprise, Rolfie. I mean, we know the, the level of home, home affairs, but of course, in re- realistically, over there, it should be competitive. But like you said, up the rise, very, very te- testing. I, I have seen that track, Ralphie. I've been there. I know how tough it can be. And I guess you, you've just got to be that length or two better, but you, you need to be proven, like a proven 1,200-metre horse. Like if you were a... a well, let's say a nature strip type profile at 1,200 metres, then the result could have been very different. So you're looking for a specific race shape, which over there you can have fast run races and therefore you can get caught. All right, before we have a look at Melbourne and uh, Sydney, just a, a quick reminder, this Friday, you've been seeing them beautifully in uh, Brisbane uh, and Queensland general events with the, the eyeliner on Sunday and uh, Holyfield. One of our sizzlers and top of your pops on the race speed profiles winning the eyeliner. Well, this Friday, we're going to have a crack at the Tats Tiara. We'll do the quaddy legs on the Friday, an upgrade option to have a look at the all races, and that's an accompaniment to the race speed profile. So a deep dive into every race on the card, courtesy of Vince Cardi's daily sectionals work. If you'd like to, uh, to get our preview of the last group one day of the Australian season via my website, racetrackrelfie.com.au. You click through events and you've got your options there. Now, firstly, Vince, Rose Hill, is this a mistake on your IVR report? Have I seen clean ground? <laughs> well, yes, yes, we've, we've definitely got the improvement, which is fantastic. Who knows? They might have a dry winter. <laughs> it could happen, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How fantastic would that be? I would love it. Nothing makes me happier than seeing a scenario like that. Of course, there's still a little bit of give in that ground, Ralphie. You can see through the first two sections on the day, partially race-shape-wise, there was a, a couple of blowout races in terms of speed, one in particular that was race five. But the reality is we've seen a big, big turnaround in the condition of the track. To only go around one, one and a half lengths below standard all the way to the 600-metre mark and then get on that dry ground to the finish line, that's a massive improvement for... The Sydney siders, and particularly Rose Hill, love it. And, and, you, and you said about the uh, the getting onto the clean ground in the straight. This is a really important part of the helicopter view, and I dare say why uh, part of the reason why it was such a leader advantage day. Because if you if you had your if you're rated right in front, you got to the best ground first. Yes, and if you definitely, and the race shapes the big factor. If you can get it, get through that first half of the race without over over exerting that energy, you get big advantages particularly over the last two or 300 metres, I say. It's it's very, very hard to run them down. Uh, let's start with um, with the fourth race there. Um, Three-back defence, uh, Naval Star. And it, was, look, it looked a strong win. I'm, I'm keen on your assessment there, but also was there a possibility that, that Willinga was, uh, was just flat because it was very good its previous start, but it was a big exertion. It was a big exertion. Well, firstly, Naval Strip ended up with a minus 1.6 just missed out on the top 10 of the day. That sort of also gives you the insight about like what's taken place in terms of the quality of the horse of the day. We are in off-season time. Of course, the better tracks help in terms of that reliability into the future. It's a new PB for the horse. That's, that's my number one 
positive for the horse that it's been able to sort of get a lot closer to benchmark. When I break down the race, that last 600 metres of the horse was excellent. You have a look at it. Between the four and the six, it went plus 3.2. Between the four and the two, it was plus two and pretty much held on to the last 200 with the same split, Ralphie, of plus 2.1. That's solid. That early race shape, of course, helped the horse going 10.2 lengths below benchmark. But when I look at the horse, realistically, the, the only real race the horse had, from my point of view, was the one at Caulfield where it was asked to go around four and a half lengths below benchmark. All the others have been so much slower in pace. And here we are, again, very soft speed would have been a big advantage for this horse. I guess my view is, you know, can the horse improve further this time round? I don't know what what else they got planned for it, but I guess it's heading towards benchmark. First prep. So I'm, I'm fascinated by this Born a King. Uh, when I say fascinated, the, the, this is the art of studying sexual times. And I know we're talking about the off-season, but your race speed profiles here surmise so, with there's evidence through his data and his last two performances in good order look set to sharply elevate. Two starts back at Fleming. He stepped out on dry ground, 9.9 length mid-race squeeze, elevating his race pace to plus 4.8 through the mid, but a vital 3.4 length slowdown suffered between the 400 and 200 were effective badly. He's last seen career fastest 5.5 lengths above benchmark through the first section, monster 15.1 lengths mid-race. Uh, slowdown was a huge negative. He can elevate sharply and is a dangerous player. So uh, just a surmising, Vince, what happened race to race, he improved his speed 10 lengths. So that's yeah. got to take something out of him. But it also, what it did, it brought him to his top. It really did bring him to his top, Ralphie. Um we could see last campaign that the horse had the capability of running above benchmark, which is really important. And when was it? That was at Rose Hill over 1,500, where it produced a 0.7 above best of the day. And even on that particular day, you could see the asset this horse has. It's got a tremendous mid-race move capability. That day it went 4.7 below to plus 7 between the 8 and the 400, giving you that confidence. And even the, even that day there, Ralphie, the last 400 metres after that big surge that was second up, almost ran benchmark the last 400 metres, further giving you some comfort that this horse has got more potential and more scope to potentially elevate up in distance over time as it evolves. And there it was. I thought this was a really top run, Ralphie, going almost benchmark through the first. This was the fastest run of the day where there was plenty of speed. And I would, well, that leader, you know, probably cost itself. It didn't need to go that fast personally. Probably could have been able to go two or three lengths slower would have made things interesting. But I would have felt that if they'd gone two or three lengths slower, born a king, overall performance would have been even better, Ralphie, because that was still big effort, 0.2 below benchmark, and then the last 800 metres, you can see they're all above benchmark, very, very solid. I actually feel this horse has still got probably another length of improvement as well. All right, well, because it's best of the day, we're going to break all that down for our members as well, so you'll get that anyway, but obviously we'll put that in Sizzlers. Rubenocchi won the sixth race. I'm only highlighting this, Vince, because this is your classic example of looking deep at a, a sexual time report, and then you get the insight into why it was able to lead all the way so easily. So it's one thing, yeah, it was leader advantage track, but if you're doing nothing in the first section, nothing in the second section, and you're in front, well, where else do you want to be? Well, that's true, Ralphie. You're going to have big advantages, aren't you, up front? And the big key here was you have a look at the pace the horse went, 3.7 lengths below benchmark, good speed, no move in the mid-race. That already makes it tough for everybody behind you. 
because you you're technically only climbing slowly and therefore most horses are going to have a lot of energy later and this is what this horse did have last 400 was 2.9 above benchmark and when i look at the last 200 meters there was only a couple of runners that outstripped its performance over the last 200 meters and one of them like the big easy it was traveling through that first half of the race seven lengths slower so it was entitled to but only went two lengths faster over the last 200 uh, the the so-called feature of the day, the listed Mikel Cup. Skyman, sometimes you just need to finally get a circumstance in your way because he didn't really do it, ha- have a, that going for him in probably three runs. We sizzled him first up in a fantastic fifth in the Victoria Handicap and on Saturday he had the favours and he smashed him. He did smash him, didn't he, Ralph? He was just, he was just too good. <sighs> I, I break down the performance. Possibly that first section may have won the horse the race, Rolfie, only being two lengths off that lead pack or less than that, and they're travelling at a reasonable speed. The lead speed was 1.7 below. This horse was travelling 3.3 below. The mid-race move, there it is, 3.1 length mid-race squeeze, ranked you know right at the back for the day, like 69th best mid-race squeeze for the day. A little bit of a slow between the four and the two. That was probably the highlight for me, indicating that was probably going to be enough to break benchmark in terms of an overall performance. Fell short of that. But now that this horse has been able to break through, You've seen it happen before, Ralphie. They break through and then they just can keep on winning. And I just look at what it did. This was relatively easy for this horse and there's got to be more left. And we'll round off with race eight. Wicklow, what can you tell me about Wicklow? Because last year we sizzled him twice with with two wins at Rose Hill. He obviously wasn't right. He missed nearly a year's racing, 336 days. Uh, Resumed on a slow track. It seemed impressive, uh, you know, the way the track was playing as well. Best last 1,200 of the day. Is this a horse that uh, has got a bit more ability? Well, it's definitely a runner that hasn't had much exposure. Like, its overseas profile is pretty ordinary. Yep. We did see a performance in Australia where it was benchmark at that first outing over 1,600 metres when it won at Newcastle. It has hit pretty, pretty wet tracks. So the same problem was when it was overseas. So there is this possibility that the best for this horse now starting to emerge. It's a dry tracker. Yep. So, yes, I would say we should be getting a lot more improvement to come from this horse. There was a long break. And to do that second up, massive improvement in early speed. You have a look at that first up run, Ralphie. 16 and a half below benchmark. Yes, on wet tracks for sure. But it's still 10 lengths faster from run to run, even the mid-race, and that's probably the most important factor because they don't tend to accelerate much through the middle. They tend to be pretty pretty slow, slow, particularly when it's very heavy. And here we've seen this massive continuance of acceleration, like it improved on the weekend, virtually six lengths between the 8 and the 400. And then that last 200 metres plus 3.2, it just thrived on it. And best last 1,200 for the whole day, which is another real important milestone. What that does is it indicates sustained speed. And I am actually looking forward to seeing this horse now up to 2,000. Uh, let's have a look, quick look at Flemington. Firstly, how did Flemington play? Uh, I rarely see the uh, the last 200 being still slow. So obviously it just it's just struggling to dry out at this time of year. Yeah, well, I, I do believe that Lean's assessment was like he was like so on point. He made that 
yeah, made that communication that it's unlikely that we're going to getting a any improvement to the track, and he did have an expectation as well they're going to run well off the track, which is what happened. Well, the rail's already out twelve. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, wow, one point two, one point nine two, virtually two lengths below. That was the softest part of the track, Ralphie. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. And and, and yeah, I just want to underline that uh, zero knock on Liam. In fact, I'm, I'm all, all you can ask for, I think, as a punter, is to get the right communication from the curator, and he absolutely put that across. But it is unusual that Fleming and Straight couldn't even dry out. So they're obviously, uh, they're, it's, it's just this cold, wet, wet winter we're having. Yeah, and you have this other little bit of a challenge. They they did run reasonably well through the first. Right up until the 600 metre point, they used plenty of speed. You could see that virtually benchmark to the 800. Not bad for an S7 track, Ralphie. Yeah. So if you take if you take away some of the aberrations, like example races seven and eight, and this is all part of that workflow to give you some insight about if you took those two races away and you took away race one, and so that means you're taking away the high and the low. You probably got real insight to what that track is. 1.2 lengths below. Yep. And therefore. When you're overextending, like those two races in particular, that was races seven and eight, it really does show you that, A, you're going to be a lot slower at the end and probably adds a little bit of merit about horses blowing out over the last two and 400 metres and making it a little bit tougher to run with any real time. So my view is, the, when I sort of laid it all down, this was a marking that I made the the track overall about 1.5 lengths below the, the, the standard that we normally see and yes unfortunately the last 200 meters was the most impacted and, and it was partially to do with the overextension of energy through the first half of the race tell us about that race eight Tuvalu well this is what we wrote about him uh, on our sizzlers report the our black bookers uh, product on the 25th to 21st of may 1.3 lengths below benchmark ranked fifth of the day disappointed the market at odds on getting picked off and while Ladon de v was good in beating him it's also worth noting race to race from the bog tracker audible he's produced a monster change of early speed that gassed him out there minus 14 lengths below benchmark of the 800 and 400 make meter race for here 2.9 lengths out to 1,800, 17 lengths more speed. And we went on and break it down from there. But that that just brought him on this horse because he, he needed that. Because Warnable, as I said, if you're going so slow on a wet track, you, you just haven't got can't get that race conditioning. No, you can't. Absolutely not. There's no doubt about that, Ralphie. And this 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 stable's pretty. He's a smart trainer, isn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Good speed. Yes, there's a, there was a big blowout over the last 200 metres. Entitled to to have that, really, over the last whole, the last 400 metres overall was a, a lot softer. And that's just, they have used so much energy through that first two-thirds of the race. And this is uh, inevitable what was going to happen at the end of the race. Uh, and we'll finish with the Creswick, actually, ironically, uh, and you actually touched on the race without knowing it. Uh, Nature Strip uh, won this race uh, a few years back on, on his way to, to glory, but we're pretty excited going into the meeting about Passive Aggressive and Star Patrol. The known with Passive Aggressive was she can handle soft track. The unknown with Star Patrol was what he could do on a, on a soft track. Watching it, this horse just didn't look comfortable. What's the data uh, tell you and what's your summation of Passive Aggressive and Star Patrol? What did you learn from that race? Well, obviously, passive-aggressive was always going to be, what a name, to, was going to be some sort of a threat. And the, and the threat becomes, well, firstly, if we have a look, the hard part for the, let's say, look at Star Patrol, at what point in time do you feel that horse is going to be able to continue on improving 
And yes, the ground conditions definitely didn't work in the horse's favour. So we, we've learnt that possibly this horse is going to be uh, many lengths inferior on wet tracks. That That's probably the, the big indicator. But also, when I look at just like how much work the horse really did through the first two sections, it wasn't anything blistering. There is could be a possibility of a little bit of taper as well, Ralph, in the negative. And that was always one of those little things about a horse like this. He had two huge performances, that one at Flemington over 1,200 metres, where it went plus four. We've just seen this horse break out to a whole new level and then pretty much maintain that over 1,100 metres when coming back in distance. And again, the best of the day and rock-solid performance. And now we've seen a, a negative. So... Whilst I'm saying partially the track conditions, I also feel that there's that, that horse could have felt the effects of the two runs. And now I know it's 28 days in between runs, but they get jaded, Ralph, especially when they're horses that have plenty of speed. They lose that speed. And yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit of evidence there. Yeah, and I just I, I might even take it back to its first up run. So this first start with Clint McDonald, they, they had a bet at Packingham, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. So when they had a bet, that meant plenty of work. Yeah. So, so that, he, he was wound up in March, and here he is uh, mid-June. Mid, mid it, it, it's going to come to an end at some stage. Well, it's got to come to an end, and I, maybe he's hoping for some early spring race. I'm not sure what their plan is, but when you've got a horse potential with this capability, oh, yes, they've gone out there and run, but why not give the horse a really decent, you know, 40 or 50 days off and then try and target a really good race and see if you can stand up to the to the A grade? Yeah, well, and particularly now that they've thrown that extra money into that last uh, last day of the carnival, that sprint there. So he, he's proven 1,200. And yep. what did he do at, uh, on Anzac Day? What was it? Uh, plus four? Uh, yep. Plus four. That's going to get you very competitive as a starting point. So Absolutely. That, that looks like he's good target. All right, speaking of targets, our target is this Friday, the Tats Tiara preview day. Hopefully you're part of it. You can get it via racetrackralphie.com.au via events. All of Vincicardi's work, including his race speed profiles, Melbourne, Sydney, and this week, Ipswich, uh, sorry, <laughs> this week, Eagle Farm, uh, via dailysectionals.com.au.